Let's dive into the message today. We are in part two of a series we are calling People of the Way. People of the Way. Do I have any people in here that love Jesus? Come on, if you're online, give us some heart emojis if you love Jesus. If you, I, I, if you don't love Jesus, I pray that uh, your time here, if anything, sparks your interest about this man. This is the man that when he showed up on the planet, he, he literally divided time from, from B.C. to A.D. when this guy showed up on the planet. There was no one like him. There's never been anyone like him. He is the man who has, um, uh, that has so many people have written about, the best-selling book that has ever been written. Of course, Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. Nothing has ever beat it. Uh, people have tried to destroy it. People have tried to destroy him. People have tried to destroy the church. They've never been able to do it because this is a king that has came to establish his kingdom. And so we're in this series called People of the Way because this was the nickname that was given to the people who followed Jesus after he ascended into the heaven, after the resurrection, after Easter, after all of that, uh, these are the people who followed him, and they followed him in such a way that people nicknamed them the people of the way. I'll show you in Acts. Here's the verse in Acts. It says in Acts 9-2, this is what, uh, which would soon be the apostle Paul, but he was Saul at this time before Jesus got a hold of him, said he requested letters and addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any, what is it? Followers of the way. The, the, these are the people of the way that he found there. And this, uh, this is how they would describe him. You can look all throughout the book of Acts and you'll see this idea of the, the people of the way or the, the followers of the way. And these people weren't just committed to the teachings of Jesus. These people weren't just committed to just going to church. These people were so radically transformed by this man, Jesus, that the way they talked, the way they walked, the way they spoke, the way they acted, the way they made decisions, the way they treated people, the way they treated people who hated them, Everything was so incredibly countercultural to what everybody else was doing, they got this name, People of the Way. Their life had been radically transformed, not by a philosophy, but by a person. And that person, of course, is? Jesus. Hey, if, if, if we ever say that, I just want you to know the, the answer is always Jesus. You never get it wrong with Jesus. So uh, Jesus is the answer, Jesus says it this way in John 14. He says it this way. Jesus told them, I am, I am the way. You want to know how to walk this way? I'm the way. You want to know how the way to get your marriage fixed? I'm the way. You want to know how to have joy? I'm the way. You want to know how to peace? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way is a person, but it's also a lifestyle. Because how many know when you encounter Jesus, everything changes. Now, it might not all change at that moment, but when you encounter Jesus, everything changes. And last week in our message, we talked about being people of surrender. What does it look like when you encounter Jesus? Really, the first thing that, that God looks for us to do is just to be surrendering to him, that, that God can do way more with our surrender than he can do with our control. And that if we will just surrender our lives to Jesus, that's the beginning of the uh, of the initiation into the family of God is just surrender. I can't be king if there's only one king. I've got to surrender. It's not about acknowledgement to the king. It's about allegiance to the king. He is everything. He is my all. And so that was last week was this idea. And we looked at the story of Peter, um, and, or he was actually Simon, and, and, and his surrender to him. He left everything to follow Jesus. And then we know Peter, James, and John all did the same, and many other people did 
the, the same as well. Um, but we saw that Simon was radically transformed when he encountered Jesus. And I don't know about y'all. I don't know if there's anybody here that's in this room or if you're watching online. But how many of you in here say, man, I don't want to just hear about Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. I don't want to just hear about teachings. I want to experience what these teachings actually mean. I don't know about y'all, but I get really, really fired up anytime we just get to talk about Jesus because he's so radically transformed my life. I've watched him so radically transform so many of you that are in this room, and, and we are a part of, as the global church, that God is radically changing a nation. And, and so we say this all the time, our hope is not in the White House, our hope is in God's house. Come on, how many know this nation is not going to change if we get a different president? Yeah. Even though we pray for our president, we pray for our governor. Pray, how many know, though, there's only one king that can really change this nation, and his name is Jesus. And if Jesus can get a hold of your life, if Jesus can get a hold of your kids, if Jesus can get a hold of your heart, if Jesus can get a hold of your mind, he can radically transform you. And so last week we talked about the way of Jesus is total surrender. If you want to write that down, just, just as a filler of last week, the way of Jesus is total surrender. Surrender. Now, if I was to ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Explain to me, what does it mean to be a Christian? You call yourself a Christian, what does that mean? I'm sure there would be a lot of people that maybe would have different answers, but uh, it would probably go along something like this. You know, I, well, I follow Jesus. Um, I surrendered my, my life to him. Uh, Jesus went to the cross he was the substitute for my sins. He paid for my sins. I've surrendered my life to him, and now I have a relationship with God, uh, and I'm going to heaven. And, and that is, in a lot of ways, a right answer. But it's missing something. I would say it's a 50% answer. It's 50% accurate. None of that is wrong, but it's missing a massive, huge ingredient and that is that when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I repent of my sins and I turn to you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, yes, you are radically saved. Yes, God forgives you. But also, God gives you a gift. And that gift that he gives you is what we call the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, and in the moment that you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says you can't even say yes to Jesus without the Holy Spirit. But as soon as you say yes to Jesus, how many know the Holy Spirit's drawing you to Jesus, drawing you to Jesus, drawing, you know, I need to. Some of y'all in here are like, I know, I need to get back to church. You know who that is? The Holy Spirit. You know, no, that was my husband, or that was my wife. No, that was the Holy Spirit using them to do that. And, and so the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. We surrender our life to Jesus. And then the Bible says this. This is the best part. Then the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And the same spirit that rose him from the grave comes and lives on the inside of us. And this is where most people cut off their experience with Jesus. Because they think it's just about him forgiving them of the sins and him getting them to heaven. But how many know God wants to get heaven in you? And then you live a totally different life, radically transformed. This is why people can go to church and still look the same for 30 years. Because you want to just get to heaven, but God wants to get heaven in you. Which, by the way, for him to get heaven in you, he's got to get hell out of you. Come on. Oh, now we preach. Okay, now we're preaching now. Say, we just want heaven. I just want heaven. He goes, well, we got to get the hell out. We got to get the hell out. 
Because how many know now we are the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and where the Holy Spirit resides, he doesn't reside with things that, that dishonor God. He doesn't reside with things that, that uh, tarnish uh, who he is and, and his reputation. And so he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to live on the inside of you. But like we said last week, he gets up into your home and then he says, I own this home now. And now we're going to start remodeling. And you're like, you can stay on that wing of the house. And he's like, no, I own it all. And so when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us, it totally radically transforms us. And so today, I'm titling today's message, People of the Spirit. People of the Spirit. We talked about people of surrender last week. We talked about people of spirit this week. And I want you to write this down. If you're taking some notes, I want you to write this down. We've been looking at the way of Jesus. So last week, the way of Jesus is total surrender. Here's this week. The way of Jesus is spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered. I need everybody to say this with me, okay? We're all going to say this together. The way of Jesus is spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered. Come on, let's say it one more time. All right? The way of Jesus, say it like you mean it, is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. Now, I know. As soon as we start talking about the Holy Spirit, y'all are like, I understand God the Father. I know Jesus is, is uh, the Son of God. Holy, and I don't know about that guy. Some of us have maybe had some things with the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, now we're going to get creepy. Okay, up, oh, here we go. Kool-Aid's coming out. Tongues are coming out. Crazy stuff's about to happen. Come on, don't get me wrong. Y'all know. Maybe you've seen some of this stuff. They're going to start pushing on me. This is going to be some crazy stuff that start happening. I just want you to hear, I think the Holy Spirit's got really bad PR. Because I'm telling you right now, if you would understand how much God the Father and Jesus wants you to have such an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'd realize that you can't do anything without him. There's so much that he wants to do in your life. And if you look at the life of Jesus, and so that's what I want us to do. I want us to look at the life of Jesus because I think when we look at Jesus and we see the miracles he performed and we see the perfection that he did not sin and we see that the, he finally went to a cross and we see that he rose people from the dead, we all think, well, he did that because he's God. He's God. Well, of course he did that. He's God. But the Bible says that Jesus stripped himself of his, of, of, of his divine attributes. He humbled himself to the point of becoming man. So Jesus, yes, is 100% God, but Jesus also is, yes, 100% man. And when he came to the earth, he wasn't just as the son of God, he was also the son of man. And how many know if, by the way, all of us are sons of man or daughters of man, you were born from flesh, which means this, that if Jesus, well, I don't wanna get ahead of myself. Okay, I wanna get, let's go. I'm jumping into the full thing of the message. I, Josh, there's a way to do this, okay? Just go slow. <laughs> slow down. Can y'all tell I'm really excited about this? Luke chapter three, let's look at Jesus. Luke chapter three, Jesus says this. And so one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Let me just pause right here for a moment. Jesus was baptized. Why do we get baptized? Jesus was baptized. Did Jesus need to get baptized? No. Baptized of what? Like, forgiveness of nothing? He didn't get baptized because he needed forgiveness of sins, which we don't get baptized for forgiveness of sins anyways. He, he got baptized because he was modeling something. He was showing you. This is when, when you go full surrender to God, then you go public. Which, by the way, we'll have baptisms coming up in, in a couple of months, so we encourage you to do that. It says he was baptized, and as he was praying, the heavens opened, and the... Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. 
Okay, it wasn't a dove, but it was like a dove that came upon him. All right, look what the next verse says. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So here we are. Jesus has not begun his ministry, but he has now uh, been baptized. He comes up out of the water. The Bible says as he's praying, coming up out of the water, the heavens open, and the Father declares to him, you are my beloved son, you are my loved son, and who I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. This is before any ministry ever starts, and from that moment, he is now initiated into, all right, it's time to go do all that God the Father has called me to do. And so immediately after Jesus' baptism, so we're in Luke chapter 3, the next verse, chapter 4, verse 1, says this. Then Jesus, everybody help me here. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, from being baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the paradise. No, he was led by the Spirit into a place of suffering, into a place of what we know will be 40 days of temptation. Most of us, when we get tempted, we think, oh, that's the devil. The devil does do the tempting. But now I mean, see that, that there was a Holy Spirit that led him. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He went into it full of the Holy Spirit. And there he is. And we know the whole story. He gets tempted. If you can go, you can go read it in Luke chapter 4 of all that happens. And he says, you know, uh, you know, every time there's temptation, he says, it is written. You know, this is what the word says. It is written. And most of us think, well, if we're going to overcome temptation, we need the word which is true, but I don't want you to neglect the fact that you also need the Spirit. Hey, listen to me closely. It's great that there's Word in you, but you better have the Spirit too. He didn't just go in with the Bible. How many know he went in full of the Holy Spirit as well? So everything that you're facing right now, you're like, I'm quoting Scripture at it. I'm just throwing every Scripture I got at it. Well, that's good, but you also need the Holy Spirit. And so you see that there's this dynamic duo between the Word and the and the Spirit. We're not people of just the Word, and we're not people of just the Spirit. We're people of the Word and the Spirit, like a really good Oreo, okay? You need both. You got the cream, you got the middle, you got to have both, okay? And so that's what we have here, and he goes into this temptation. We know that, that he, he passes all of that, and, and, the, and, the, and the enemy leaves him. Watch now at the very end, 40 days, at the very end, Luke chapter 4, now verse 14 says, and then Jesus returned to Galilee... Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. All right, so we see this. He gets baptized and the Holy Spirit comes on him. He gets, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He faces the enemy full of the Holy Spirit. He comes out of the wilderness still filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And Acts chapter 10 tells us about the life of Jesus, and I don't have time to go through all the different stories, but, but Luke shares so much about this in the life of Jesus. says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, here we go, with the, and with, with the, and with, okay, Holy Spirit, and with power, and, okay, now you can go to the next verse, and, and then, everybody say then. You've, you've got to realize the timeline here. Before Jesus ever steps into doing anything that the Father asked of him to do, he realizes that there's a, there's a desperation need for the Holy Spirit to be upon him, to be in him, to be through him. 
And when God the Father anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, then, then Jesus went around doing good. Then he went around healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And let me just say, I think where we get it wrong is we know that we're called to do good, deals, good deeds. We know that we're called to pray for healing. We know that we're called to believe for, for big things in people's lives. But we do it backwards. We go try to do what Jesus called us to do without first getting the Holy Spirit and the power to do it. What we do is we go do all this stuff and then we say, go, God, can you help me? So we're trying to get God to do what we're trying to do instead of going, God, what do you want to do? And I'll just go cooperate with what you're doing. Y'all following me? Okay, so it's, it, you got to get the order right. Jesus didn't go start doing all these things. He, he said, no, 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 I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, and, then, and then now he goes into ministry, starts doing good deeds, starts healing people, starts uh, delivering the oppressed and all this stuff. Do you see the one common theme now in Jesus' life? It is the work of the Holy Spirit. From the moment Jesus began his public ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit enabled him to accomplish all of the Father's purpose. Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit would be the game changer, would be the game changer, because he would get this word, and it's this word power. Everybody say power. Now, this word power that you see in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, you'll see it in many different passages of Scripture. Um, you'll see it in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. But here in Acts chapter 38, this word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. This is the word right here, if you want to write this down, dunamis. Um, it literally means a force. It means strength. It means might. It means power. It means ability. Force, strength, might, power, ability. So this is what this word dunamis means. And, and God's desire is that we would have this right here. That the gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives us, and as we're, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it gives us force and strength and might and power and ability. But when you look at many Christians today, these are not the words that I would use to describe them. Weak, discouraged, depressed. Those are words that I would probably use to describe more. Divisive, not powerful, not strong, not mighty, not a force, a force to be reckoned with, a force for good. This is what the Holy Spirit has called us as, as people of the way. And this is what we see in Jesus. The, the way of Jesus was spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered. Now, I want you to hear me very closely because here's the good news. The good news of all this is the same Holy Spirit that led, filled, and empowered Jesus is available to you. I thought two people would be a lot more excited than that. Okay. You're like, huh, that's good. You have no clue then what you have access to. Because that same thing that was given to Jesus was given to you. To be filled to be led, to be empowered. Watch, let's look in Luke 24. If you don't believe me, let's believe Jesus. It says in verse 49, and now, this is red letters, by the way, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just as my father, what? What did he do? He promised. So, so here's what you do. So stay here. 
in the city until the Holy Spirit comes. And what is he going to do? He's going to fill you with power from heaven. Now, question. Why would Jesus tell them to wait? They've got work to do. They've got, they've got a good news to preach. They've got people to reach. They've got, they've got you know, people to heal. They've got, they've got all these things. And Jesus knows something to them. Jesus knows that they can't do what he is asking them to do without the power, without the power to do it. Everybody look at me very closely. Your human strength has limitations. Your human abilities has limitations. Your human wisdom has limitations. And for you to fully do what God is calling you to do, God knows you need this gift. This is why he gives you the gift, which by the way, this is why this gift's free. You don't even have to pay for it. Come on, how many like free gifts? Raise your hand in here. You know you like free gifts. Don't act like, uh-huh. I see y'all on Instagram trying to get me to like and share and comment so you can get that free package. <laughs> I will disbar you if you send me another one of those. <laughs> Everybody likes free stuff. And so, Jesus, listen, Jesus goes, I've got the ultimate gift, and I'm going to give it to you for free. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, so here's my visual. This is the visual that I like to use when it comes to us understanding the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, um, so this, is a, this is a screwdriver, okay? Um, and this is a handy tool. So this is just, I pulled this out of my little tool bag that I have this morning, and I use this a lot. Uh, all around our house and all different things, of course, to put things together, take things apart, all of that stuff. Um, it's a bit laborsome, depending on how big the screw is, how long the screw is, uh, how many screws I have to unscrew and screw. Uh, there's a lot of things that are there, um, but, but it works. It works really, really well. But then I got introduced to something. To this. Now, when you have an option, talk to me, somebody. You have an option. You can do this. Can this get the job done? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can this get the job done? Yes. Okay. All right. So, so you just tell me, this or this? I mean, you don't have to be a brain, brain surgeon to understand, like, this may be faster, quicker, better, not as exhausting this is exhausting. This is handy. I can do it. It's exhausting. This, I look like Tim the Tool Man Taylor everywhere in my house, man. <laughs> I finish up a project in two minutes. I'm like, what's next? What's next? What else we need to hang? What else we got? Where are we going? Watch this. This is a lot of Christians that don't understand that God has given you this. He's, he's, give, he's, given, you, he's given you the power. Now, I could take this and go, but come on, somebody. When you've got the power, you don't want to do life any other way. How I many you know? I don't know when's the, I had to go search for this. I don't know when's the last time I've used this because this has now taken the place of this. Watch this. Watch this. So here's my question. You feeling tired? You feeling empty? You feeling exhausted? Which one are you? 
Now, I'm not saying that, that when people who have the Holy Spirit don't get tired. I mean, you get physically tired, of, of course. But I'm just telling you, there is a supernatural thing that comes upon you when you don't rely on your own strength and say, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need you for this conversation that I'm about to walk into. I need you for this decision making that I have to make. God, I need you in my marriage. Come on, how many know the Holy Spirit can do things in your kid's life that you can't do, and you've been trying and trying and trying and trying? Yeah. Are y'all with me? Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just trying to help you see. Oh, man, I, I, this Holy Spirit stuff's really weird. No, it's not. It's just a power to do something that you can't, na- you could naturally do it because God gives us these natural gifts. But how many know when God puts his super on your natural, it is amazing. It's amazing of what happens in our life. You and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? Uh, no, not necessarily. Now, you're never going to get to heaven without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to tell you about Jesus. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, you may not need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven, but you do need the Holy Spirit to get to Walmart. Can I get an amen from somebody? You need the Holy Spirit to go to work. You need the Holy Spirit to parent. You need the Holy Spirit to stay committed to your vows for however long, forever. You need the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. You need the Holy Spirit for when that person cuts you off in traffic and you're like, Holy Spirit, deal with them now. And then how many know when you see that cop fly by, you're like, ha, 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 ha. Yes. Y'all ever had that when you're waiting in that line and you're waiting out of traffic and those people ride the, ride the little, you know, the side thing? And you're like, Holy Spirit, get them, you know? But then you're like secretly jealous because you're like, I wish I could. And then you're like, no, but I can't. Okay. Are y'all with me? Like you need God if I can help you. Help you understand. The reason your marriage is struggling is because you've been trying to do it on your own strength. And you're just tired. You're like, I don't even want to pick it up anymore. And I get it. I get it. You can try to do the work of Christ without Christ, but it'll be exhausting. Eventually you'll quit. You can try to be like Christ. (laughs) I'm just going to try to be a good person. You can try to do that as long. It may last a day. You may be really good. It may last a week. But I'm going to tell you, a month or two, you're going to be like, I'm tapped out on this thing. And so God has called us to get to a place where we understand that the Holy Spirit gives us Power. Everybody say power. power. Now everybody say this. Everybody say that. You've been waiting to say this. Say this. I've got the power. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know you've been wanting to say that. Come on, say it. Say it. Yeah, you got to say it like that too in a false, you know, octave up and all that stuff. Yeah. All right, watch this. Everybody, I want you to write this down. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit on your life is a game changer. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit on your life is a game changer. Just ask Jesus. He'd tell you. Just ask the people of the way. They would tell you. In the book of Luke, Luke mentions the Holy Spirit 15 times. By the way, Luke is also the one that wrote the book of Acts. It's like a sequel. It's like Luke part two. And in Luke part two, in the book of Acts, listen to me closely, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 56 times. So yes, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit 15 times. The people of the way needed the Holy Spirit 56 times. So so here's my question. If Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit, and if the people of the way depended on the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? How much more do we? The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. So I'm going to give you two thoughts today. That's it. We're going to. 
and then we're going to pray for, for people, and that is that the Holy Spirit empowers you to really do two things. Now, let me just go ahead and just say this real quick before I go any further. Um, because uh, where people get confused is they go, well, do I, if I get saved, do I not have the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. Okay, so there is, and you can see this all throughout Scripture, and I don't have time to unpack so much of this. We have a whole series that we did in 2020 uh, on the Holy Spirit. So if you want to go watch any of those, it's like a six- or seven-part series. We did this whole thing on there, but I don't have time to do all of it, unpack it today, but I'm going to give you the real brief thing, is that there's the Holy Spirit that's with you, there's the Holy Spirit that's in you, and then there's the Holy Spirit that's on you. Okay, I want everybody to help me here, okay? With you, in you, on you. Everybody say that with me. With me, in me, on me. Say it again. With me, in me, on me. Okay, all right, so here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes with you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is near to us. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws us to Jesus. He is with us. He is beside us. Any of y'all been out somewhere and you're about to make a decision and something inside of you said, "Uh uh-uh, don't do that? Uh Uh-uh, don't say that? Uh, that's the Holy Spirit that's there. He's, he's with you. He's kind of leading you. He's guiding you, which, by the way, all he's going to do, he's going to lead you and guide you to Jesus. That's what he does. He's going to lead you to the place to surrender your heart to Jesus. The Bible says you cannot surrender your heart to Jesus without the Holy Spirit doing a work on your heart. So he's with you. Okay, and then when you surrender, which is what we talked about last week, when you become people of surrender, God, I give everything to you. God, I surrender to you. The Bible says in that moment, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, all right? You become a temple of the Holy Spirit. That, that it wasn't that you, uh, you, when we talk about that God didn't make you come to make you good, he came to make you new, he came to make you alive. The thing that was dead in you was not your body. The de- thing that was dead in you was not your soul. The thing that was dead in you was your, was your spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit comes in you, he makes, your whole, he makes you come alive. The Spirit of God comes alive on the inside of you. Now the Holy Spirit lives in you, okay? So we've got the Holy Spirit that's with us. We've got the Holy Spirit that is in us. And so now he's in us, and he's, he's, uh, he's speaking to us, and, and he's, he's shaping things in our lives, and he's, he's, uh, he's challenging us. The, the Bible says all these different things. He's the paraclete, uh, not a parakeet. He's a paraclete, okay, which means that he's a comforter. That means he's a guide. That means he's a, a helper all of those things. He lives on the inside of you. You have all of that. You have help. Come on, how many need some help? Just raise your spouse's hand if they need help. Okay, they don't want to raise it. Okay, everybody needs some help. Okay, he's a comforter. When you're walking through really, really tragic, really, really hard times, you have a Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and says, we're going to make it. This is not permanent. We're going to make it. We got this. All right, so he's a comforter. He's a helper. He guides us in truth, convicts us of sin. Okay, convicts us and convinces us of righteousness. This is not who you are. This is who God's called you to be. Okay, it comes, on, it comes in me. But the last one, so I'm trying to help us understand. Yes, he's in us. But there are moments where the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this is a, a word that we would use called the anointing. And, I, and I'll get to it in, in, in just a minute. But it's that that God anoints us. He comes on us. We see this in the Old Testament. And you see the symbolism of this with with oil. They would pour, Samuel would pour oil on David and say, this is my anointed king. And you see in the Old Testament that God would come on select people. In the Old Testament, he would come on select people. So when David went up and saw Goliath, and Goliath is like, you know, I'm going to take y'all out. And David's like, yo mama, you know, like that. Okay. (laughs) That's my version. That's the, that's the PJT. Okay, yo mama, I got, I'll take you out. Okay, you know what that was? That was the anointing. The Holy Spirit came on him and gave him such a holy 
uh, just frustration. He's like, y'all ain't gonna do something about this? I got it. That's the Holy Spirit coming on him. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we ain't gonna bow down to anybody, we're gonna do this, and they're like, well, we're gonna throw you in the fire, and like, bring it on, let's go, and they get thrown in the fire. You know what, that's the Holy Spirit that comes on them. When Gideon goes and fights, when David and Jonathan go and fight, and there's not enough army. Uh, when Gideon goes down to 400 men and he's fighting an army that's way bigger than him, that is the anointing that the Holy Spirit came on these men, on these women, on Esther. I mean, you can go throughout all the Old Testament, okay? But when Jesus died and rose again, and he makes a declaration right here, that's why you can't look past this. Because in Luke 24, when he says, hey, everything that I had and everything that these kind of special individual people had, now everybody gets. And it is to your advantage that I leave because when I leave, you get him. If I'm here, you only got me. But when I leave, he gets everybody. See, at that moment, you can only have Jesus in one spot, in one moment, in one place, in one time. But when Jesus ascends to the heaven, he ascends and the Holy Spirit says, I can be on all people at all times. Come on, I mean, no, that's way better. Because we don't have to share Jesus. Be like, when do I get Jesus? Okay, no, no, everybody gets it. So the Bible then says, okay, so the, the Bible says that the, that the spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh, all blood. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. I mean, all of this stuff that starts happening is prophecy in Joel. And so here Jesus is saying, this is now coming true. And so what we're talking about is, yes, the Holy Spirit does live in you. But I'm curious, does the Holy Spirit live on you? Well, how do I get the Holy Spirit to live on me? Well, he lives on you and he comes on you because he's attracted to certain things. You know the Bible says to not grieve the Holy Spirit? It's not that you're gonna grieve it and the Holy Spirit's gonna leave you. He's been on me, he's not, he, now he's out. What he talks about is that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that's, that's the anointing of God, meaning that there is unique giftings and favor that comes upon you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You can just tap into things that you couldn't tap into before. It comes on you. And the Holy Spirit is attracted to, this, has, this is not in my message at all, so you get an extra here. He's attracted to humility. And he is attracted this is a word that no one likes to use in this day and age, holiness. So if you wonder why I just feel like I haven't felt the Holy Spirit lately, my question is, are you walking in humility and are you walking in holiness? Are you walking in a way that honors God? Or are you walking in a way that grieves God? I love one of the, one of, uh, the famous, um, R.T. Kendall, this incredible preacher and evangelist and Bible teacher, he said, you know, when you, you hear about the, the Holy Spirit being grieved, a great imagery is, is the fact of a dove. The Bible says, like we read in, 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 in the Jesus' baptism, like a dove. He says, you know, there's a lot of difference between a dove and a pigeon. Notice it doesn't say the Holy Spirit came on him like a pigeon. Like an eagle, ah! you know, like, came in like a dove. And he said, and I thought this was so amazing because it's only God that can parallel things to, 
to how animals are. He said, doves get spooked so easily. So easily. Pigeons, I mean, you gotta chase them for them to get up. But he said, a dove, you make, you make big sudden moves, you mean, man, they just, it just, they just flutter off. And he says, man, that's, that's really how the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit wants to come and rest on us. But we're living in a way that's spooking him constantly. And say, God, I, I want to live humble. And God, I want to live, live holy. And when we walk in that, there's just the spirit of God that comes and rests on us in such ways. And so I want to I share with you two, two things here that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do. The first thing is the Holy Spirit empowers you to live like Jesus. There's nothing harder than trying to do God's work without God's spirit. Corey Tim Boone, who was a survivor of the Holocaust, said this, she said, watch this, she said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work, but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus flows out of you. Just flows out of you. And if it feels like, man, it's just been really, really hard lately, it's been really, really difficult lately, then the question is, man, God, would you fill me new? Would you, would you come on me in a fresh way? Look what Luke 4 says about Jesus. Look, look at the life of Jesus. When Jesus stands up in front of the people in the temple and he reads what is a prophecy in Isaiah. And so here's the prophecy and he's reading it in front of them and saying, this is, gonna be, this is being fulfilled in this moment. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is, come on, say this again, is, say it again, is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has, He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Not only does Jesus know he's anointed, he also knows what he's anointed for. Because every time God anoints you, it's not just so you can get goose, holy goosebumps. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit anoints you for a purpose. The Holy Spirit anoints you, watch this, because he's anointed me to bring good news. He's anointed me to proclaim captives. He's anointed me to, to release the captives, to, to set the blind free, to, to see the oppressed be set free. And Jesus knows what he's called and he's anointed for. When you know what you're anointed for, you know what problems you have been, been empowered to solve. And instead of running from problems, you run to them. Because you know God has anointed me for such a moment as this. God has anointed me as an administrator. God has anointed me as a business person. God has anointed me in the oil field. God has anointed me as a teacher. God has anointed me as, a, as, a, as, as someone who represents a city or a councilman. Or God has anointed me in this role. God has anointed me as a business person. God has anointed me as a mom. God has anointed me as a husband. And so I don't run from the problems. I run to the problems because I was anointed for such a moment as this. Are y'all with me? So what are you anointed for? What has God placed his Holy Spirit on you for? Some of you are running from things that God called you to run to. 
He's anointed you for this. Jesus ran to the poor. He ran to the possessed. He ran to the blind. He ran to the oppressed. Noah was anointed to build an ark. David was anointed to slay a giant and become king. Joseph was anointed to be wise with resources and lead a nation through famine. Nehemiah was anointed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Peter and Paul were anointed to plant churches. The Holy Spirit anoints you to bring the kingdom of God into every area of your life. You are anointed to pray for the sick and to see them get healed. You are anointed to believe for miracles and ask God for miracles and see that God does the supernatural. You are anointed to share the good news with your family and your friends and your spouse and your kids and your neighbor and your coworker and your teachers and your classmates. Like You are anointed for this. You're anointed to help people set free from addictions and oppression. And every one of us should be living in such a way that there's no way to explain our life other than the power of the Holy Spirit. There are, listen, there are people that have gifts. Maybe you're naturally gifted in a certain, in, in, in a sport or in writing or in working with your hands or in singing. You can be gifted in something and not be anointed. I, you, you can, myself included, I can get up here and give a message, but it not be an anointed message because I can just preach and study and learn the Bible. Our worship team can get up here and just sing some songs or they could be anointed to worship. You and all that you do, you could do your job because there's natural giftings that God's given you. He's never gonna take those away. But it's amazing when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, how he takes what we do and he takes it to a whole nother level. God has empowered you to live like Jesus in your life, in your family. God has given you the power to overcome sin. God has given you the power to overcome temptation. He's anointed you to walk in freedom. Listen to me closely. He's anointed you to walk in freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? So that tells me wherever the spirit of God is, there should be freedom in my life. And wherever there's bondage in my life, I have not invited the spirit of God into it. Amen, Pastor Josh, that's good. Okay, yeah, that's, <laughs> amen myself over here. This, listen to me closely, I'm, I'm just telling you, like if you're battling with incredible depressions and things, you can quote scripture at your mind all day long. But there's something when the spirit of God gets a hold of it, he can do something in a moment that you couldn't do for years. He can break the addiction of alcohol, he can break cigarettes, he can break, he can break things off of your life in one moment. Now sometimes it is a progressional, progressive thing. And I, I totally understand that. I'm not saying that if he doesn't do it immediately then that's not God, by no means. But I'm just telling you, sometimes we don't believe for those things because we think he can't. But he can, he can. And so God has empowered us by the Holy Spirit to live like Jesus. Let me give you number two. He's empowered us by the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus. This is the one that I think is the hardest for us. Watch this. The Holy Spirit's number one goal is to make you more like Jesus. That's his job. That's his job. He going, every time you're around the Holy Spirit, here's how you know it's the Holy Spirit, because he's trying to get you to be like Jesus. Every time. He's just trying to get you to be like Jesus. Like, you want to go off on your wife? And he's like, don't do that. Mm -mm. 
don't, don't say that. Don't, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. Watch this. The Holy Spirit wants to change the way you think, wants to change the way you speak, wants to change the way you make decisions, wants to change the way you work. Listen, you can read every parenting book in the world. And I'm not against reading and learning. I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid researcher. But the Bible does say it's not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit. That there are some things in our life that we radically need the Holy Spirit's involvement, engagement in to become more and more like him. And I want you to listen to me very closely as we wrap up this service. Everybody looking at me? You can't change yourself. You're like, yes, I can. Come back to me in a couple months. You can't change your spouse. You can try all you want. You can't change your kids. You can't change your boss. You can't. And what gets us in trouble is we try to will it. I'm going to break this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. You just get to a place where Corey Tim Boone said, it's, it's so exhausting. You can't change yourself. Let me show you what, what it looks like when you try to change yourself. Let me, tr- let me show you what it looks like when you try to lead yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you are led by, the Bible would say this, when you're led by the, anybody know what it is? The flesh. Okay? So as I said, remember, it's, it's uh, your body and your soul. The, the Bible gives your body, physical body, and your soul, your heart, mind, will, and emotions, gives it a name, calls it the flesh. That's what's broken in all of us. That's what needs Jesus. That's what needs to be sanctified. Just another word for it to be cleansed and holy and set apart. Okay, so when you follow the flesh, that sinful nature, here's the results. You ready? Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Why don't you just think about your home right now? You see any of this? Hostility, quarreling, immoralities, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Some of you are like, yes, 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 yes. That's him, that's him, that's me, that's him. Watch, it keeps going. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Trying to bring division in the home, division in the workplace, division in the church, division in a marriage, division, envy, drunkenness, Cajun lifestyle. <laughs> and, then he, and then he says, and other sins like these. Like just groups them in at the end. So let me tell you again. As I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he says, but, come here, say but. but. Come on, this is, as Pastor Bud would always say, this is a good but, and always depends where your but is. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see the contrast here, okay? This is when we walk in the flesh. This is what we get. 
But when we walk in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in us, comes upon us, it produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, come on, how many you say, give me more of all of that. There is no law against these things. So it, next verse says, so those who belong to Christ Jesus and have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we, here we go, are, we're living by the Spirit. Okay, you wanna live by the Spirit? Okay, let us, and I want you just to see this because all throughout scripture, there, there's a, we, we, we can personalize things somewhat, sometimes too much. Yes, it should be personalized, it should be me, but notice that Paul is going, he's writing this to the church, by the way, because it's in Galatians, to all of the Galatians churches. Hey, let us, let all of us, not only be led by the Spirit, let us, let us follow the Spirit's leading in. Question, question. What part of your life is he not leading? Every day you got a choice. You can either walk in the spirit or you can walk in the flesh. You say, well, Pastor Josh, how do I walk by the spirit? Great question. Let me give you an answer. To walk by the spirit is this. If you wanna write this down. It's to live moment by moment in dependency upon him, sensitive to his voice, and obedience to him. How do, I, how do I walk by the Spirit? How do I live by the Spirit? How am I led by the Spirit? Okay, here we go, ready? Moment by moment, minute by minute, day by day, week by week, I'm going to be dependent upon him. I'm going to be sensitive to his voice. And then when he speaks, I'm gonna do what he says. That's it, that's it. That, that's literally how we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm dependent upon you. I can't do this in my own strength. What do you have to say to me? I'm gonna shut up now. What do you wanna say, Lord? Holy Spirit, speak to me. And then whatever he starts speaking, hey, you need to go apologize. Okay, that's the devil, get behind me. That's not, <laughs> no. What else do you have to say? You need to start giving, you need to start you need to start apologizing. You need to start being loving. You, you need to get off your phone and be present with your children. You need to, I, I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. And the truth is probably he's been talking to you for a while and you just drowned it out. Y'all remember uh, the WWJD bracelets? Y'all remember those? What did it stand for? What would Jesus do? And, and the premise of it was, you know, like, you know, if you're on the interstate and someone cuts you off in traffic and, and, and you're about to just let them have it and your hand's on that wheel, you would look at that brace and go, what would Jesus do? Oh, what, 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 would, what would happen here? All right, this is, this is the question that, 
that we would often ask ourselves and then in that moment we would go, okay, I can't do that, I can't do that. But I wanna ask a different question because the truth is not what would Jesus do, but the truth is, is what is he doing in you? What is he doing in you by his spirit? It's not just what would Jesus do, but what is the spirit of God telling me? What is it? It's, it's telling me not to do that. It's telling me, what, what is it speaking to me? This is the key to us living a life more like Jesus. You wanna be more like Jesus? You walk in the spirit moment by moment in dependency upon him, sensitivity to his voice, and obedience to him. Last thought, living by the spirit is not a one-time event. It is a daily choice. It's a daily choice. Every day we wake up and we surrender, like we talked about last week. And every day we wake up and say, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. Lead me, fill me, empower me, help me, strengthen me. Give me the grace, give me the words. How do I respond to the Holy Spirit? You just acknowledge him and you just invite him in. So I wanna do this today. Um, I, I, want us, I want us to, to just do this right now, right here. I want you to stand in this room. We're gonna end our service this way uh, this morning and we're gonna, just, we're gonna just invite him to speak. We're gonna invite him to come and fill us and lead us. So I want you to do this. Would you just lift your hands all across this room? If you're there at home or wherever you're watching right now, if you can, you just lift your hands right there. And uh, I wanna invite all of us in this room and all those that are online just in this moment. This is, this is how simple it is. This is literally how simple it is right now. This is it. We say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to have your way in my life. I acknowledge that I need you. I can't do life without you. Fill me, lead me, empower me, speak to me. What do you want me to hear? Whatever you say, I'll obey. So just right here, right in this moment, I'm not gonna speak anymore. Would you just have just a moment, and then I'm gonna close this service, but would you just have just a moment with the Holy Spirit right now? And you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What is he saying to you right now? Spirit, we calm ourselves right now. Sometimes it's just us slowing down enough just to just to ask. Just to ask. If you're here in this room and you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit on your life, you just want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to pour out on your life right there. I believe He can do it right there, right where you are in this moment. Would you just, come on, just keep your hands raised and just say, Holy Spirit, I I need you. I need you right now. I need a fresh touch. Some of you in here have been so tired. You've been so exhausted. You've been so full of fear and so full of worry. If you're honest, you've been led by the flesh. You've been led by emotions. You've been led by the things that are going on in this world. You've been led by so many things, but you haven't submitted yourself to go, Holy Spirit, I just, I, I submit my life to you. I surrender my life to you. 
I need you in this place. So Holy Spirit, like, just like fresh oil that gets poured into a, a, a vehicle, God, and old, old oil just runs out and fresh oil gets poured in. I pray, Holy Spirit, by the baptism of your Holy Spirit right now, that you would come upon your people in fresh and new ways. God, not just today, but tomorrow morning and the next morning and the next morning. Before they walk into a meeting, may they just say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Fill me right now. God, before they walk into their school, may they say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. And I thank you right now that you are anointed them with your presence and with your power to bring the kingdom of God into every area of their lives. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome to speak to every area of our hearts. God, you're welcome to speak into our marriage. You're welcome to speak to our kids. God, have your way in our children's lives. God, speak to them. God, we pray, Lord, for wayward children right now. Holy Spirit, arrest them right now. Arrest them, spouses and friends and neighbors, arrest them right now, God. Holy Spirit, go after them, draw them to your son, Jesus. Make us more like Jesus and empower us to live like Jesus today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, can we give Jesus?